But I've, I've t- called my sermon today Easy Church. And it's uh, a few thoughts on James chapter 1, th- that passage we read earlier. Now, when, when it first developed, I wonder, is there anybody here old enough, uh, like me, to remember the days when air travel was a little bit more formal than it is nowadays? Of course, when, when air travel was first developed, the way back, I suppose, in the 1920s and 1930s, it was considered very much the upper class way of travel, as was transatlantic liners like the Titanic and others. It was very much for the rich, uh, only those who could afford this um, this amazing new form of transport by air. Uh, Of course, it's changed uh, with all the social and economic changes in society. It's all different now, and certainly the revolution in air transport of the, the 1960s and 70s and 80s, where it has now become so much more accessible to ordinary folk like you and like me. While still not necessarily a cheap form of transport, it's not now much more accessible to a greater percentage of people. There's probably, I'm not asking you to put your hands up, there's probably not many people within the building today who haven't at some time in their lives actually flown in an, air, an aeroplane. But a generation or two ago, of course, the figure would have been much higher with only the very rare individual ever having been on an aeroplane. Now, another huge revolution that has taken place has been, again, maybe you remember when when I was first able to travel by air, you you, had got a meal on every flight, and you'd actually go to a a thing called a travel agent, and you got a, a piece of paper, which is a ticket, and you had to show this ticket to the people and and get through and you might remember the famous British Airways shuttle where you just turned up 10 minutes before the flight was due to take off and fly to London of course 9-11 and other things changed all of that but nowadays we're very much uh, familiar with the, the, the budget airline the airlines which go for no frills and on the rare occasion that I travel by air, although it's become a wee bit more frequent in recent years because we now have a, a daughter and her family who live in England, so we, we do go a wee bit more often than we used to. But the whole atmosphere and culture of air travel is now so different from the old posh uh, sort of airline, upper class sort of thing. It's very much down to earth. Nowadays, there isn't the whole rigmarole and culture of the check-in, the departure lounge. Uh, there's... there's browsing around the, the airport, the shops and so on, getting settled in, the pre-flight safety spiel, the meal or drinks on board, all that. There's a rigmarole, isn't there, involved in, in air travel? But the, the no-frills airline, as you're probably aware now, d- tries to cut out a lot of the, the frills and a lot of the rigmarole, and it's all very simple now. You can go online, you, you, you book your own, more or less be your own travel agent, you book your own flights, you pay for it all, you don't even need a piece of paper anymore, you can, you can download things you know, onto, your, onto your phone, you can download your boarding pass. It's all very, very technical and no frills. And the idea is by these companies, and all, like EasyJet and other airlines are available of course, um, the idea is to cut the cost of air travel by doing away with all the frills, doing away with the, the, the meals and the the metal cutlery and, and all that sort of thing. 
doing away with fancy check-in procedures, getting you to do it all yourself. Of course, still charging you if you make a mistake. But all this, what is considered superfluous, is cut out. So that when flying with a a no-frills airline, you might as well really just be going by a bus or train. Sometimes it seems like that. And uh, I've recently flown, and it's all very swift now, isn't it? And and you know, if if it works, it's great. You you just get a reference number or your own boarding pass. You don't even need to, to check in anymore. You can do that at home, and you just turn up and go on. Now, I... I don't wish to disparage EasyJet, or we've generally had no problems with them, uh, other than the odd delay here and there, which any airline can be the case. And I don't disparage the idea of no-frills travel, although I did used to like it. It just seemed nice and special if you flew. It was a very special experience. But I learned something, and I, I want to share that with you today. The thought came to me that... God is challenging us, in a sense, through uh, the likes of this. And it's simply this, that many who join a church, uh, I've called this easy church, uh, we are affected by the same motivation that gets uh, Richard Branston or your man O'Leary or Stelios, thingamabob, whatever he's called, the the easy jet guy. We want a a low-cost, no-frills church. And that's what I mean by easy church. Let's call our church then for the sake of argument, easy church. We, just like the airline, we want minimum fuss, uh, minimum cost, uh, as minimum effort as humanly possible. And that's, we want a church like that. The same way we want an airline like that, we want a church like that. One that will meet our needs, get us from A to B, as the, the airline should do. Uh, as quickly and effectively as possible. And that's that's a natural enough desire, isn't it? We all tend to wish for an easy life. We surround ourselves with labour-saving gadgets. We we buy things that take the strain out of everyday living. And Which of us don't have a fridge or a dishwasher or a washing machine, things like that? Potato harvesters, if you're a farmer, I mean, who would really value a return to washing our clothes by hand all the time? Or gathering potatoes with a whole squad of gatherers and horses and plows and things like that. that that's not the problem. The problem isn't technology and newness and labor-saving devices. But as far as the church goes, and as far as the Christian life goes, we can't get on board easy church. And there's a couple of points I want us to note from this passage. And that is that basically the Christian life is a battle. And there's a real challenge to us here. Um, Just wait for the wee doofer to come up there if I can get it. Nope, still flying on. On the easy church there. Anyway, there's, there's three points, four points I want to make. Uh, on this. The first is, is the challenge. There it is. Thank you. If that's you folks up there. Brilliant. The challenge of the Christian life. Jesus never glossed over the fact that being a Christian would be a challenge. He never lured anyone into following him with a vague promise that all, all your problems will be solved, that easy solutions would emerge for every difficulty that you will find in life, that every question would be answered, that every doubt would be instantly 
wiped away. Not a bit of it. On the contrary, he plainly told those who would listen, if they wanted to enter the kingdom of God, what was necessary was a willingness to take up a cross daily and follow him, to follow his example and his way. It was thus clear that the path to the kingdom of God is exemplified by service, sacrifice, suffering. For that is the way that the master himself lived. So when we seek to apply this to our situation, we must ask ourselves, what's the challenge that faces us? On the one hand, there's of course a personal challenge. The gospel of Christ puts all of us in a position where we come face to face with the claims of God on our lives. He tells us that all have sinned and that there's a consequence or rather a whole series of consequences to this. He then sets before us the way of life he wants us to follow. To repent of our sin, to turn to him for forgiveness, to follow those ways and become engaged in his service. That is the Christian life. It is one of costly service. Sacrifice, commitment. We are challenged. Is this the life for you? Or is your desire the life of ease, the easy church? A life of luxury, a life of leisure? So on the other hand, we are faced with a challenge to, as to our church life. As individuals and as a congregation, whether it's First Balamoney or in my case Bushvale or wherever, what do I expect from church? What do you expect? Do you expect Easy church, low cost, no frills. Do you want to come along and not be challenged? Do you want to be not rebuked or disturbed in any way? Do you want to be an observer, a spectator, a passenger, a passive onlooker, expending little amount of anything, getting stuck in, getting involved, getting dirty, getting wearing yourself out? That's the model of easy church. But the church of Jesus is different. One of the most famous images used in the church in the Bible is that of a body. In which every member is vital. In which everyone is needed. In which everyone is a part to play. Different roles, different gifts, different talents. But one body. Every organ playing its part and doing its bit. And another well-known image of the church is, is of God's army. Engaged in in a, a mighty conflict of universal proportions. Neither of these images speaks of ease and comfort and leisure. They speak of struggle and sacrifice and commitment. And throughout its entire history, the church has been struggling. It has never properly been at ease with empires, nations, political outlooks. The church then and now has this as its challenge. How do we present the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and a perishing world? How do we live out its message as a day-to-day reality? That is our challenge. And the second thing that Easy Church reminds us of is that, well, it really requires little or no commitment. Active, energetic involvement is not necessary nor is it desired in in easy church. But that's not the model of the church of Jesus Christ. His first disciples gave up everything. They followed him, they went with him through thick and thin. Yes, often letting him down, 
But nevertheless, their commitment was total. And ours ought to be too. And commitment isn't an easy thing to measure, of course. We might choose to say, I, I'm a regular churchgoer. Of course, regular can mean anything from every Sunday to once a year, regularly. Christmas occurs regularly, doesn't it, in that sense? But all of us ought to examine our commitment. And I'm astonished at the number of people, I don't know First Bala Money as well, I can only speak from other churches that I've been involved with more, but who haven't attended communion for years and years. And it puzzles me that people can say, oh, I belong to Bushvale, but when did they last go? When did they last take communion? Or people who will say, I belong to such and such church, but they will not attend. They don't play any part. They might even neglect the high points of Christmas and Easter and communion and so on. Uh, what makes people like that members? How can they, what do they see as constituting membership of a church? How could a footballer who's never turned up for a training session or a match for 10 years claim to be part of the, the Man United squad, for example? Commitment is the key. And that's what's lacking in so many. Easy church requires no commitment, no effort, no disruption, no upheaval, no challenge, but of course, no reward. Jesus asks for our commitment, our surrender, our devotion. And it's not to say that we don't live up to other relationships or we don't have other things to do. Of course we do, family and work. But we should thoughtfully and prayerfully consider our commitment to Jesus. And then, of course, there's the cost. The crunch issue with commitment is the follow-on, the other side of it, which is cost. Because commitment is costly. There is the time spent in being involved with the church. Easy church doesn't demand much time. Maybe an hour on a Sunday morning, and that's about it. No frills, no extra, no bother. Easy come, easy go, easy church. And then there is the effort. Getting involved requires effort. Putting our energy into something. Expending and exhausting ourselves. Sunday school lessons require preparation. If you're involved in, in committee or session, it demands time and wisdom and energy. Running or helping with any of the organizations of a, a large church like this require effort. Sacrifice. But easy church is cheap. There are no frills and there's no effort. Forget it. But the church may ask for time, time to get involved, time to get stuck in and do something. Of relevance also is the financial cost. Easy church is cheap. The idea is to get as much as possible for as little as possible. That's typical, sinful, selfish motivation. That for many is how they live church how they do church we've become little more than a, a service provider fulfilling some of the traditional cultural functions of our society processing children through an initiation ceremony serving as a fancy registry office giving a traditional backdrop with all the trappings for a wedding giving some sort of dignified send off at the end of life that's easy church and as far as finances go, a small retainer fee will do. 
Just keep your names on the book. Just uh, pay the insurance premium so that when the need arises for a baptism, a wedding, or a funeral, or a visit in hospital, they can claim that as their due because they've paid in and they're members. But, you know, God requires us to take our financial commitment seriously as well. There is no magic figure. Everyone is different. There are poor people and there are rich people. There are variations within a congregation like this too. There are those with little and there are those with plenty. Oh, you'll never find anybody who will admit to it. Uh, Our financial expenditure in life may be divided into what's necessary and what's optional. And this reflects our priorities as everyday life. Food, the mortgage, clothing, running expenses for the home, the farm or the business. These things are rigid and and fairly unavoidable. We might think of them as necessary. Well, then there's the optional category, the the luxuries. What about the the holidays, perhaps, or the wee bit extra for the house, the garden, the leisure time, the sport, or whatever. Now, most of us put church into the optional category, I would imagine. Our giving to God's work competes with all the other good causes that we need to give our money to. It's easy church, low cost, good value. We should maybe try to put church into the essential category. Remember Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things will be given to you as well. Now you know there's another aspect to commitment. It's sticking with it. The church isn't perfect. I know a little bit about First Ball of Money to know that you're not perfect as, as Bushvale isn't and any other congregation. None of us are perfect. None of us ever have been and none of us ever will be until Christ comes again. Ministers make mistakes. Elders and officers sometimes make mistakes. The things that are, are said that can be hurtful. Uh, sometimes things happen that is not to your liking. Sometimes unintentionally, sometimes regretfully with full knowledge. Decisions are taken that we sometimes disapprove of. And sometimes there are tensions and rivalries and disappointments and failures. This is nothing new. But commitment isn't walking away when a difficulty arises. Easy church doesn't mind if you walk away. Stay at home, sulk. Better still, go and form, uh, find, go and find another easy church where you can go to for a short time until something happens there that you don't like. Commitment is sticking with it. Or even better, why not start a church of your own? But as I said, commitment is making the effort, sticking with it, being reconciled with those whom you have your differences, even if you're the one that's been hurt. It's acting in love and respect to one another at all times but more it's loving our enemies praying for those who persecuted that is Jesus' standard now lastly and you see it there well I've got the, the contentment that was the cost but I've put those in the wrong order the contentment easy church seems very attractive but the plain truth is that it offers no contentment there remains dissatisfaction no assurance no security In such a situation, there can be little spiritual growth or joy of salvation. Remember James's words, the first words of the passage we read? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. 
through challenge and trial and tribulation and commitment and effort and cost. The note of the believer is to be one of joy. The Christian life, as we've noted, is one of effort and service. But it's not and shouldn't be po-faced, miserable, complaining, dejected, defeatist. There should be rejoicing in every circumstance, as Paul puts it. Having Jesus at the center will mean possessing a contentment, a joy that the world doesn't understand. That it cannot give with its range of wealth and pleasures and thrills. That is something that easy church, with no commitment, no cost and no challenge, can ever give us. And of course the joy of serving him here is nothing to the eternal joy that awaits those who have been good and faithful servants who have come to him in faith, repented of sin, committed their lives to him, and served him. What joy awaits. So what is church to you? Is it easy church? May God challenge us all today to look at our personal commitment to him, to his son, Jesus, and look at our service to him, at our involvement in his church, in this church, in his body, in his army. Easy church or the church of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would um, help us indeed to look at our commitment, to consider our involvement, whether it's here in First Balamone or elsewhere, just generally in our Christian walk with you, Remind us, Lord, that this is not an easy thing. Following you is a matter of commitment and service and struggle at times. But fill us with joy, O Lord, as we look to the great reward that awaits us. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.